Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Sometimes I think we are so few in number that it's easy to wonder if we've got this thing right about Christ. I mean, we look at everybody else and they don't believe in Jesus. I mean, for the history of the world, billions of billions and billions of people have not believed in Jesus. And sometimes we might be tempted to wonder, am I right? I mean, I'm not brighter than anybody else. How come I see the truth? How come, how come all these others don't? Why are there so many other religions that people are following and they follow with such zeal? Why are we the only ones to embrace Jesus? As I said, we're not brighter than other people. We're not more intuitive. We're not more discerning. Why don't more people see the truth about Christ? I mean, it makes sense to me. Why does it make sense to them? Someone once suggested to the famous agnostic Thomas Huxley that perhaps he was spiritually blind, uh, much like a person who is colorblind. Some people can see green, for example, and others cannot. Since the suggestion was offered in such a kind and loving manner, the great scientist replied quite honestly. He admitted that it was indeed possible that he was blind in that area, but if so, he himself would have no way to know or recognize it. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside where he has been serving since 1981. These daily Bible classes of the air are an extension of that ministry. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it, because the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. In Alice in Wonderland, when Alice comes to a junction in the road that leads in different directions, she asks the Cheshire Cat, Cheshire Puss, would you tell me please which way I ought to go from here? Well, that depends a good deal on where you want to go, said the cat. I don't much care where, replied Alice. Oh, then it doesn't matter which way you go. Today on Verse by Verse, we will continue learning about the two paths set before us. Unlike Alice, I really do care where I am going, and I suspect that you care where you are going too. So, let's get ready to hear more about the entrance to the kingdom of heaven. So, man in scripture, that Luke refers to him as the rich young ruler who illustrates how loving sin prevents a man from entering Christ's kingdom. We'll look at the story as Jesus gave it in Matthew chapter 19, although it is in some other gospel accounts, Matthew 19 talks of this rich young ruler. It doesn't call him that, but that's who this is a reference to. He was a ruler of some sort, some kind of administrator. He was relatively young, and he was a wealthy guy. And so he's called the rich young ruler. We're not told his, his proper name, but we're given his description of him. Beginning at verse 16, Jesus said, And someone came to him, or Matthew tells us, Someone came to him and said, Teacher, 
what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? Now, right away here, you you know that the guy is thinking that there must be something more. It's something I can do. So there's a a self-righteousness there. He's looking to do something. What can he add to his life? He doesn't understand the grace of God. So Jesus said to him, why are you asking me about what's good? There's only one who's good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, that's very interesting. We would not say that to somebody thinking that they might, they might think that you have to keep the commandments to be saved. But Jesus said it in order to show this man that he did not keep the commandments. He was putting the law in front of him saying, take a good look at the law and you'll see that you've fallen short of it. Because this, this guy was self-righteous. That was his problem. And so we read verse 18. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus knew this man had not kept this, but this man didn't think that. This man was self-righteous. And so look at verse 20. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? And instead of Jesus looking at him and saying, you're a liar and we both know it. He didn't say that. He, he approached it from another angle to show him his sin of covetousness and idolatry. Verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now, why did our Lord say that? I mean, we, we wouldn't say to somebody, if you... Um, want to be saved, give away all your money. That's not a prerequisite for salvation. No, but, but repentance for sin is. And this was the man's glaring sin. This man needed to recognize and repent of his sin of loving money and making it his God. See, he already had a God. Jesus is not going to let him add to this man's deity pooling himself. He already had a God. By telling him to sell his possessions and give it to the poor, the Lord was just exposing his sin of financial idolatry. He was demanding that he forsake money as king of his life before he could follow him as king. It's just brilliant. But we're told, sadly enough, sadly enough, this man did not repent. Verse 22 says, but when the man heard, the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. This man didn't do what Jesus said because like everyone who refuses to come to Christ for salvation, this man let his love for his sin keep him out of the kingdom. How tragic. Today in hell, this man regrets it. It's precisely what has kept the majority of mankind out of of the kingdom as well because instead of entering the narrow gate that leads to his kingdom and eternal life, Jesus went on to say that most people enter another gate. It's the one, he said, that leads to destruction. Notice verse 13 again. After saying, enter the narrow gate, Jesus wants us to understand the consequences of not doing what he said. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter. It's as if our Lord is saying, don't go that way. Go this way before it's too late. So in contrast to the narrow gate, Jesus tells us about a wide gate. And this is a gate that is so broad and so spacious that there are no limitations to baggage. You take whatever you want through this gate because it enters into a broad way of life. 
Meaning that there's plenty of room in this way of life for any belief system you want, any type of behavior you want, anything you want. It's broad enough, it's spacious enough, it's roomy enough. You don't have to leave anything behind. John Stott explains the, the openness, the broadness of this road of life with these words. He writes, there's plenty of room on it for diversity of opinions and laxity of morals. It is the road of tolerance and permissiveness. It has no curbs, no boundaries of either thought or conduct. Travelers on this road follow their own inclinations. That is the desires of the human heart in its fallenness. See, this is the easy gate. This is the easy road because it's the way of life that makes no demands on us. Whatever you say is right. You don't have to leave your sins behind. You take them with you. Do whatever you want on this road. The writer of Proverbs spoke about this way of life when he said, there is a way which seems right to a man, but the end is what? It's the way of death. The way of death. See, on this road, everyone's entitled to his opinion. And you know what? Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. It's your opinion. In fact, no one's wrong because, because everyone believes and does what is right in his own eyes in this way of life. Because this is a very broad, open-minded, tolerant way of life, the, the gate and the road of life that most people go down, they're, they're attracted to this. Most people go this way. This is the, the wide gate that they enter. This is the broad road that they enter. They're attracted to it, and it is the most trafficked of ways of life, far more than the narrow gate. And that's why Jesus said in verse 13, there are many who enter through it, meaning that this is the majority. This is the majority of humanity. However, before you decide to continue on this road, you need to understand that though the majority of people travel this road and are very attracted to it, Jesus said it is a road that leads to destruction. Understand that. Now, what did our Lord mean by destruction? Contrary to what some believe, he, he did not mean by this word annihilation or extinction, where people just cease to be. You just go out of existence. That's not what the Bible teaches And the Bible certainly teaches the reality of hell, conscious torment in hell. That's the destination of all those who die without faith in in Christ. And that's where they are punished for their sins forever and ever. See, that's why we go back to this very issue of the narrowness. Jesus took care of the sin problem. But people who continue on this road are going to end up in hell forever and ever being punished for their own sins. And that's, that's exactly what Jesus meant by saying it's the broad way leads to destruction. Now, this certainly would have been the way that the Jewish people listening to him, to, to him that day would have understand, understood his words. So forget that thought of annihilation. The Bible doesn't teach that. That's not how they would have understood it. And when you're studying the Bible, those are the kinds of questions you need to ask yourselves. How would the people who were listening to this, how would they have understood it? I can assure you that the Jewish people of that day understood the biblical concept of eternal punishment. They didn't understand it as much as we do because revelation was not as complete in the Old Testament as it is today. But they certainly knew of eternal punishment from the Old Testament. And they would have known it, for example, from such verses as Daniel 12.2, which says this, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Surely that speaks of everlasting damnation. 
Everlasting contempt is the expression. And, the, and certainly Psalm 1-6 would have alluded to it, in which the psalmist said, the way of the wicked shall perish. Jesus simply confirmed that very truth that they understood and had been exposed to from an understanding of the law and the prophets. He called it destruction. They would have understood that it was eternal punishment. And in fact, later on, as Christ developed more of his teaching and and explaining things to people, he would have made, and he did make it very clear that by destruction, he was referring to eternal hell and punishment. For example, in Matthew 8, verses 11 and 12, he said this, I say to you that many will come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. Now, he said to these Jewish people that there's coming a day in which many people, when he said from different directions, he meant Gentiles, they're going to come and recline with the patriarchs of of the Jewish people. But he said, verse 12, but the sons of the kingdom, meaning many Jewish people who should have been there because they knew the truth, many Jewish people will be cast out into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth now the lord is not saying that only jewish people will be in that place certainly this is not an anti-semitic statement it's just saying that you who who heard me should have been the first to embrace the truth but many of you will not so this this certainly applies to anybody gnashing he said weeping outer darkness in matthew 10 Verse 28, we read, do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That is to say, don't fear people, but fear God. He's, because God is able to send you to hell. And in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, as Jesus is explaining about the judgment that will take place as he establishes his physical kingdom on earth, in verse 41, he said, then the king will say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Certainly, the Bible speaks of eternal damnation, not destruction in the sense that you cease to exist. Now, as we've already noted, we've already noted that this is a broad, wide gate that leads to a broad road that leads to destruction. Jesus said that it is a crowded road. It's a crowded road. And he said there are many who enter through it. Now that's an important truth for us to consider. It's crowded. It is the popular way to go. I say it's important for us to consider because what this indicates is that believers in Christ are in the minority. We're not the majority. We're in the minority. In fact, Paul used the term in describing Jewish Christians in his letter to the Romans as a remnant. You know what a remnant is? By definition, a remnant means small remains, the leftovers that nobody really cares about, what people consider insignificant. Paul said that's what we are. Sometimes I think we are so few in number that it's easy to wonder if we've got this thing right about Christ. I mean, we look at everybody else and they don't believe in Jesus. I mean, for the history of the world, billions and billions and billions of people have not believed in Jesus. And sometimes we might be tempted to wonder, am I right? I mean, I'm not brighter than anybody else. How come I see the truth? How come come all these others don't? Why are there so many other religions that people are following and they follow with such zeal? 
Why are we the only ones to embrace Jesus? As I said, we're not brighter than other people. We're not more intuitive. We're not more discerning. Why don't more people see the truth about Christ? I mean, it makes sense to me. Why does it make sense to them? Well, the reason so few people, relatively few people, see the truth about Christ has nothing to do with the validity of Christianity. Nothing at all. The reason the majority of humanity fail to see the truth in Christ is because they are blind. They're blind. That's why Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4.4, in whose case, meaning unbelievers, the God of this world, meaning Satan, has blinded the mind of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. Paul said there is a blindness from Satan, a veil over their eyes that presents them, or prevents them rather, from seeing the truth. In addition to that, our sin is a veil over our eyes. And, and there's also the judgment of God. There's a threefold blindness that people have. And the reason that the majority of, of mankind doesn't see the glory of the gospel in Jesus Christ is because just Satan and, and these others, uh, other processes we've mentioned have blinded them. And the reason that we the minority, see the truth about Christ is only because by God's elective grace, he has chosen to lift the veil off of our eyes. Folks, that's the only reason you and I see. We're not brighter than anybody else. We haven't got this figured out more than others. It wasn't that simply we lived in a country that had some exposure to it. God took the blindness away. That's the grace of God. That's, that's the marvel of the gospel. And so we must never be intimidated by the fact that the crowd doesn't embrace our beliefs. Remember, truth is never determined by how many believe it. The truth is the truth, regardless of who believes and who doesn't. It still remains the truth. And though unbelievers are in the majority, by rejecting the truth about Jesus Christ, they have made a tragic decision. Because in traveling down this broad road, they are going to perish. The road ends, but they will not end. They will be in a conscious, eternal torment of punishment for their sins forever and ever. They're going to perish unless they get off this road. Unless they get off this road. This is a serious message. Even though this road is the road that dooms people, the majority of people continue traveling on it. doesn't make sense. Why? Well, we're going to see more next week, why they continue on, on this road. But this is a, a critical truth to consider. Do you realize that there are people today who are eternally separated from Christ with no opportunity to accept him? And I realize that there are people who listen to these messages, who have listened to these messages and, and listen here at our church, hear the word of God, who have never accepted Christ. And if they continue on this road, they, it will lead them to, to eternal doom, eternal ruin and destruction. That's really what the word destruction means. It means eternal ruin, eternal ruin. And think about that. Think about that. The, the hideousness of knowing that you heard the gospel and you will not be with your buddies. It may be a crowded road now, but then there'll be outer darkness. You're not going to be able to be with others and be comforted by the fact that, well, yeah, we're all in this together. You're only in it together right now. For all of eternity, without any hope of another chance, you'll be 
in hell. And you will remember consciously, you'll remember that on this date in the year 2005, you had the opportunity, you heard about a narrow gate and you rejected it because you wanted to enjoy what you thought was enjoying life and live the way you wanted. You you weren't ready to turn from your sin. Well, folks, that's the consequences of rejecting going through this narrow gate. But it doesn't have to be like that. Jesus invites you, even commands you to come to him. And if you're willing, you can. You can. So the most important thing for each of us to consider today is which road are we on? We're either on the wide road that leads to destruction or we're on the narrow road that leads to life. And the way to determine which road you're on is to ask yourself if you've ever entered Christ's kingdom through the narrow gate of salvation, which is another way of saying, have I ever really repented of my sin and trusted Christ? It's possible that that you had an experience, like I said before, where you maybe prayed a prayer, but there was no change in your life. You weren't ready to give up your sin. You just want a free ticket to heaven. If that's the case, you're not going there unless you repent of your sin and trust the Savior. Let's bow for prayer. It's not enough to know about this gate. It's not enough to know about this gate by listening to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, you have to enter it. Have you entered it? If not, will you enter this gate? It's there for you. Go through it before it's too late. Father, thank you for this powerful, powerful statement from Christ. Lord, I thank you that you care about each soul. I thank you that you cared then, you care now. And I realize, Lord, that there are some here who, who never have gone through that narrow gate. You, you know their hearts. You know them. And for whatever reasons they come here and they may admire the Sermon on the Mount, they may admire you. They may speak highly of you, but they have never repented, never really, never really let you be the king of their lives. And they've never trusted you with that attitude of turning from their sin. I I pray that you'll bring about true salvation in their lives, Lord. I pray for that. I pray for those of us, Lord, who already are in the kingdom. May we make sure that we don't water down the gospel to others, that we don't try to make it more appetizing by not speaking about repentance and not speaking about your kingship and lordship because we we want to tell people we led someone to Christ or we don't want them to dislike us. We realize being on the narrow way, we're accused of being narrow-minded, intolerant people. And that's not easy. But I pray that you'll help us to keep in mind the narrowness of the gospel is because you define the terms, not us. And so, Lord, we pray you'll take your word, use it in the lives of each one of us for your glory and honor. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for such a clear and down-to-earth explanation of this challenging statement made by Jesus. And thank you, our listener friends, for joining us for another verse-by-verse radio Bible class. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is taking us through the Sermon on the Mount from the book of Matthew. Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We at Verse by Verse Ministries are glad to be able to adapt his expository or verse by verse messages to radio format. We are a faith ministry and we depend on the prayers and financial support of our listeners to keep these classes on the air. 
Today's class was the conclusion of a three-part message. If you would like to hear it all at one time, you can order a CD or a cassette. To get yours, please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we'll call you back during regular office hours. Or if you have questions about how you can be sure that you are going through the narrow gate, as Jesus described it, you can call that same number and someone will be glad to talk to you. Our number again is 727-441-1714. We are on the web at versebyverseradio.org. If you missed part of today's lesson and want to hear it again, or pick up on some previous classes, we have the audio files available for download, or you can listen online. You can also sign up for our free podcasting service. That's versebyverseradio.org. There is an old saying that while there are two sides to every question, there are also two sides to a sheet of flypaper. And it makes a very big difference to the fly which side he chooses. I hope you'll join us next time on Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff continues this lesson about the choice Jesus offers to every one of us. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. We are here to give you strength between.